Welcome to Building Vester. This is a new podcast where we are talking about a new IP that we're building. It's called The World of Vester, coming to games and films and TV shows and the web and everywhere people watch and do stuff. We're super excited about it, and this is where we talk about how we're building it with you, the people who want to know what's happening behind the scenes before the scenes are even happening. I'm Mike McCarg. I'm Victory Palmasano. And I'm Ann Houck. And we are so excited to talk with you today. I understand that we uh, once again have a great abundance of listener questions. Listeners, I remain floored that you're sending in lots of questions every week about an IP, a franchise IP, a world you've only heard about on this podcast, and your questions managed to be so informed with the tiny breadcrumbs of information uh, that are available out there. You all are awesome. Mm-hmm. And we'd love more questions. Please. Mike has an exciting announcement as well. Do you want to tell him? I do, yes. I, I will definitely tell them about this exciting announcement, which is that, I don't know what the announcement is. What's the announcement? You're on Instagram. Oh, I'm on Instagram again. I have returned from the wilderness. If you used to follow me on Instagram, you're probably used to me talking about matters of deep importance in life and living, and uh, that is not what I do now. <laughs> if you go to at it's Mike again, I-T-S dot M-I-K-E dot a-G-A-I-N. It's just pure silly frivolity. I just talk about stuff I'm interested in now. I'm old and my give a damn is broken. So if you'd like to <laughs> just talk about fun things, I'm there. And I, I think it's possible by the time you hear this, I may also be back on Facebook again and get into a new era where a little more fun, a little more frivolous. And by a little, I mean dramatically. He's a brand new man. <laughs> We're all happy to have you back. Yeah, thank you. I needed I needed the time off. The time off was very, very good to me. Mm-hmm. I certainly had no intention of ever returning. But then I kept sneaking on to social media platforms for memes and dog and cat videos. And I thought, well, if I'm here, I like memes. Well, I can just make memes. I like memes. We'll just, just open a meme account. So and you may you may hear me talking about Things that interest me, like gaming or tabletop role-playing games or the world of Vesser from time to time as well. But mostly frivolity. I would even say silliness. Purely purely a silly account. My first post that I made on Instagram was a story. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. It was my picture with like little sparkles. And it was Eminem going, guess who's back? back again and then the, the caption was basically a boomer now and i just was like this is perfect content this is what i want to be doing now so that's what you'll get hooray but also because it's a story that first it's gone you'll never see it again so if you want to see the next really dumb thing i do follow me today <laughs> act now before it's sold out although am i the only person on the show who does a public ig is everybody else on the, in private land I am public on Instagram. I am in private land. Okay, yeah. Perhaps I do. I should do a, a public one, but sometimes I post a picture of my baby, and I like to keep that private. That's fair. You should make an account called Parasocial Victory. <laughs> you know what? I just might. Maybe some listener feedback on that. Would that be interesting, Parasocial Victory? Okay, we have a lot of questions 
you all have been sending in your questions, as Mike said, and it's really, really fun. We would love to see more because we want to answer the things that you are interested in. So we're going to dive in. Our old friend Typo Panther on Instagram asks, as I understand it, emanation is something that can happen to someone at any stage of life. Given that, is there anything in place to prevent those who have learned sigil arcana and to a lesser extent, those in political power like the seven from developing powers? If not, what happens if someone is trained in sigil arcana, develops emanation, mind wipe, execution, or something else? Ooh. This question, I didn't think anyone would ever ask a question this good, and we haven't even launched anything yet. That is fantastic. You are reading the tea leaves of a world that behaves consistently correctly. There are no mechanisms that stop someone who who has imminent potential that's becoming imminent ability from gaining imminent ability if they hold elected office or if they are a scribe but there are controls for what happens once they do and that is if they're a scribe they are described the ability to scribe sigils is taken from them they are removed from the order of the signs and they are sent to exile like any other emergent person is if a member of the seven were to gain imminent ability, they're removed from their seat and they're sent to exile. The same thing that happens to anyone, anywhere outside of exile, you get sent to the Garden of Suktu. Now, interestingly enough, this is this not an open secret, but it's somewhat known to some people. There is one strategy for people who are becoming emergent and don't want to be is that they move to the township of exile because the, the port city outside of the garden, there is a suppression field that suppresses emanation. And so you could request a transfer if you were in the civil service in some way to exile. And as long as you get there before your eminent abilities are prominent enough to be noticed, they'll get suppressed. And as long as you stay in that field, as far as anybody knows, you're not emergent. That restricts your life to a very small stage, right? Like even wandering out into the the green spaces, there's no suppression field there. You couldn't visit Suktu at all, and there's a lot of reasons to visit Suktu because it's the only kind of openly imminent place among all of the Vahashaf. You can imagine, like, what's a what's a concert look like if magic's involved versus not, right? There, there's some interesting things, like how can you cook differently using magic? So... That is a thing that happens. Wouldn't work for a scribe, because a scribe, they're never going to assign you to just the town of exile. And if you refuse to lose, leave, they would know why, and <laughs> they would start running some tests. But generally, yeah, anyone can become imminent, and anyone who becomes imminent gets removed from their old way of life and gets sent to exile and then trained in the conservatory. And... But no, there nobody would be like, executed or imprisoned or anything like that the thing that's clever about the seven is they build so much plausible deniability into systems of oppression <laughs> so they're smart about how they empower elites to siphon resources off society they know like if you turn the stove too hot the boil water so you you don't the water boils so you just don't want to boil the water Cyber Panther did also mention, though, mind wipes and things like that. 
which amongst the emergent, there are helms and people who can control, you know, memories, brain function, all of that. So it's it's perfectly conceivable if they had someone who was trained as a scribe, who was no longer trusted with that information, who they thought, you know, they're emergent now, they might do something hinky with this. They they could take that information from them forcibly. That's totally something that that could occur. And at the very least, they would spy on them copiously. Because yes. you're right, it is forbidden. Even though eminent people knew sigils, they can't scribe them. You have to be empowered to scribe. They're forbidden to even know them. Mm-hmm. That's true. A former scribe would know sigils, and that there would be an intervention there. And that would vary based on who in the order or in the augury was kind of overseeing your exile. Brian F. Dennis from Instagram asks, Can emanation or sigil arcana be channeled through crafted items? From the first story, it seems like biological material might keep unique evolved properties. Will exile have skilled trade crafting artificers? Jeez, these questions are good. It's good. We hinted at it before. You cannot use a crafted implement to scribe. That is something that is strictly forbidden. However, crafting imminent goods, crafting arcane goods is 100% within the realm of possibility. That's also something we alluded to before is a lot of the infrastructure in Hesh is sigil powered. That's their plumbing, that's their lifts. All of that is infused with sigil arcana and is kept up by scribes. There is also the capability to have eminently crafted materials, crafted items. Obviously, those two would never interact because there's that harsh line dividing emanation and sigil arcana, but absolutely. It's sort of interesting about exile being like, in a lot of ways, in the middle of nowhere, in a lot of ways, like cooler than Hesh. Expeditioners are allowed to, as long as they register things, keep a lot of what they discover in Alatheuk. And in the game, we have these things called ciphers, which are kind of these single-use magic items. And a lot of the artifacts from the Age of Ascension are immano-arcane, meaning Mm -hmm. they are scribed with imminent sigils. So th- those relics are illegal in Hesh. They're illegal in the township. But basically the Garden of Suktu is kind of a demilitarized zone legally between Alatheuk and the Port of Exile. So as long as they don't take it into the town, they can continue to possess these very forbidden artifacts. And the reason that's allowed is because they use them to do their jobs. <laughs> they would not be able to. If, if these things were forbidden or destroyed or whatever. And also, these sorts of objects are also researched in very carefully controlled circumstances by the augury and by their wings of the order inside the Garden of Suktu. So we're going to, you're going to be able to play as an emergent who is a crafter of objects or weapons or constructs. You can make things that kind of think using emanation. And you, there will be... Although you cannot use an object to scribe, you can scribe an object. Mm -hmm. You can scribe a mark, a sigil that becomes a mark onto an object. 
and then it becomes it has a sigil that does a specific thing in the context of that object one one small point of clarification there too just for anyone who's listening is the emergent expeditioners you're playing are not the ones creating these materials at all they are finding them pre-constructed from the age of ascension which is you know pre-divide of magical powers so there's there's a ton of things out there that's a very common expeditionary goal to be assigned to bring things back for research or for use in society by the augury that's something that would not be created now i'm sure you can imagine tons of rife scenarios where little items get past places or you know underground trading markets that sort of thing but it's kept strictly off streets marcus spar from facebook in a previous podcast, it was mentioned in the game Exile that players wouldn't be able to reach the rank of Exalted, but would there be information available for people to create their own Exalted for a one-shot campaign where the objective would be to fend off a Titan? <sighs> Someone has been sneaking around in our strategy Google Drive. So we play on kind of a family of TTRPG products. And you're behind the scenes. Let me go tell you some of what's coming. There's the game Exile. That's the full experience where you play as an expeditioner in an ongoing campaign. You start at the first right, and then you proceed all the way through the sixth right, the right of Peshaz, is how you gain powers and emergent. Really, really cool system, really flexible, has a lot of flexibility in character creation, a lot of power. Less complexity than I think other multi-tier of play systems. We keep it as simple as possible without losing flexibility or, or tools to power imagination. Right, So that's Exile. When you see us come out with a web series, that's going to be based on the Exile game. We've got another game called Exile the Garden of Suktu. And that is a TTRPG you could take to game night. So it's just in a box. You open the box, everybody pull, puts down a character card instead of a character sheet with some card mechanics. You build a character very, very quickly. And then you have a character. Well, now you need some encounters. Well, if nobody wants to play GM, you put down an encounter mat and deal cards onto the mat, which creates an encounter. And now we are all role-playing in character, rolling characters, and creating our scenario. It took 20 minutes, and the rest of the time we have to play. Of course, there's a GM mode where the GM gets a little extra information and encounter and deals the cards out in a kind of a dramatic fashion. So it's a very easy game to GM. So that's that's the Exile the Garden. We have Exile the Full Thing. We have already talked about what it would be like to create a one-shot game called The Exalted, where you get to play as an Exalted and fight a Titan. The problem is in world, it's going to have to be for people who really value the story because a lot of people are going to die and uh, you will never get the satisfying moment of vanquishing a titan. The exalted win when the titan decides this is too expensive to continue trying to feed on this city and turns around. And, you know, I would imagine that total TPKs, total party kills in the exalted game would be very, very common. So it's kind of a hardcore game if we want to keep it world or lore appropriate. But it's certainly something we discussed. It would also be complicated. You know, if you came in... Even if you're an experienced TTRPG player and you started playing a third or fourth right expeditioner, 
There's going to be so much new stuff that it'll be overwhelming. That's why we start you at first right, so you learn our system versus other things you've played. The garden is very easy to learn. We're actually, our ideal world is someone plays the garden first, then plays exile. But we would imagine playing this exalted game, you would want to have completed a full campaign in exile to even think about playing that. So what does that mean? From a business point, the exalted, it would be like a really niche game. Now we are working on a live service version of exile which we'll have more to talk about later. We're really excited about. That's the version of Exile that is in canon. Your character's in the same world as the characters in the comic books and the TV shows and the everythings. And we would have events there you could sign up for that would be a tightness coming. We need people to be exalted to see how this goes and the outcome of what you do affects the next season of the TV show. So that's like where we get like, wow, everything's in place. But the Exalted game is not something that's coming out next week or anything like that and i mean the the beauty of non-canonical games as well once everything is released is you will already have stat blocks for a bunch of things that exist in the world we've talked about titans however there are a lot of huge threats that aren't quite titan level that are going to be incredibly difficult to defeat to route things like that and, and those are still missions that Exalted would entirely be sent on. So in the context of like play at home, play with your friends, you could absolutely run like a non-canonical homebrew one shot where you are playing Exalted being sent out to face some of these larger things that the normal expeditioners don't get to do. Okay, we have one more question for today. Nicole from Instagram said about our last episode, excellent episode. I just need like a hundred more to binge. Well, Nicole, we can grant you your wish. Her question is, my family has extremely limited TTRPG experience. Is there going to be a background novel or movie rather than source books and manuals to get everyone interested in the world and have a basic understanding of it before we play Exile? So, Mike has already alluded to it here. We are coming up with something called Exile the Garden. And the genesis of Exile the Garden of Suktu was thinking through, one, how, how do you play a TTRPG at game night in an hour instead of several hours? Two, how do you make a game that is fun for people who like TTRPGs? but approachable for people who have never played, for people of all ages, to create an experience where, you know, you don't have someone at the table just trying to walk everyone through this massive game. And so part of Exile the Garden is to simplify things down to a card-based game where you can jump in with your family on game night and play through an encounter or two. And, and the thing about the system that we have set up for the game is it directly correlates to the full game of Exile. So by playing the Garden of Suktu, you are learning the mechanics, learning the larger things that you would apply in a full TTRPG, so that once you sit down to play Exile, it's a lot easier. Of course, there will, there will be other forms of media coming out as well, but that's, that's the one in particular that's really aimed at people who are looking to, whether it's, you know, just themselves and friends or themselves and children, like start to get into the TTRPG space without having to read an entire source book. What we expect is 
we know there's a lot of people who'd be interested in World of Esther who just aren't ever going to be TTRPG gamers. That's fine. We're using the enthusiasm of the TTRPG space and our affinity for it to get some energy around the world of Vesser. We expect, and we are actively working towards, a web series based on the TTRPG to come out before the retail TTRPG does. Well, that's fun because people who don't play TTRPGs still watch live play TTRPG shows because it's fu- it's like, I don't know, it's like podcasters telling a story really well it's a, it's its own sort of unique form of media it's getting more and more popular i mean these shows have millions and millions of viewers so we see ourselves kind of leading with a web series and then supporting that with retail ttrpg products well once we hit that now we have data to share with potential publishing partners that there's an audience and that they're engaged and to that end we already have in pre-production a novel, a graphic novel, and a TV series. We just have to we, when we when Victory in the intro says we're working on a franchise IP. That's a little inside baseball in kind of the media world. What we mean is we have a storytelling world that we want to be able to use all kinds of different media to tell that story. But in how crowded the world of media is, you have to like you have to get on base over and over, right? So we're starting with the TTRPG and the web series to get the audience attention that allows us to get a publishing partner involved on a graphic novel or a publishing partner involved on a novel series or, yeah, a narrative television program done on either traditional linear or streaming or even free ad-supported television. We're We're not married to any type of distribution there. We are married to excellent storytelling. And that's kind of what will determine, you know, how we go there. But absolutely, if you stick around, there's going to be non-TTRPG ways to interact. And then eventually, non-TTG. Like, we're going to have games that aren't tabletop role-playing games that happen in this setting. We'd love to do mobile games. Of course, my dream, I have a very specific vision for a AAA console and PC game. But that's, you know, if we go fast, that's 10 or 15 years away. So, Mike, I have been granted access to a super secret exclusive stream of questions that have been coming directly from my living room. Excellent. Okay. So one John asks, what are some of the jobs, occupations, factions that non-emergent people are participating in besides the seven? What are all the normies over there doing? Absolutely. An enormous sector of the Hessian economy is agriculture. You know, Hesh doesn't have like a huge preponderance of like what we'd call arable land for its population size. So they grow a lot of rice on the sides of hills and mountains and they do a lot of fishing. And none of that is, you know, commercialized, industrialized. So even with the assistance of Sigil Arcana, Food production is very labor intense. The economy is not industrialized. So all products you buy are artisan crafted. All clothing items, all tools and implements, all furniture, everything is handcrafted and kind of unique, kind of unique to the person who made it. They don't, you know, they haven't figured out assembly lines. Even in the age of ascension, they didn't have assembly lines. So a lot of people are making clothes. A lot of people are just making basic goods. And then what they do have are 
merchant networks. So the, basically, in how hash rose to prominence, their their kind of economic contribution to the entire empire was, hey, there should be people who just buy your stuff and then sell it for you so you have more time to make stuff. Shopkeepers. But the shopkeepers are kind of industrialized. There's not a lot of mom and pop shops. They tend to be large competing factions that sell a certain type of good. There are a few big ship manufacturers in Hash, but there's only one big ship dealership, right? And that the merchant class takes a disproportionate share of the economic output by controlling not the means of production, but the means of distribution. Yeah, and so, you know, that people got to maintain streets. And, you know, we said outside of eminent people, there are a lot of scribes. The order of signs is very big because the standard of living that existed in the prior empire required emanation and nobody trusts emanation and so it's easier to control scribes because you only teach them a couple of sigils and so you know if you're a lamp scribe you really know a lot about a few sigils involving the production and direction of light and that's it and so if you decided like you can't throw a rebellion using lamps right (laughs) or or giant stone obelisks that regulate temperature in a block of housing or whatever so scribes are actually a very, very common profession. Almost anyone we would think of as like a, in a technician role in our economy would be a scribe in the Vahashef society. One thing that we've had a lot of fun in like world building meetings figuring out is outside of the augury, the order of scribes and the emergent, the rest of political power is held by non-emergent, non-scribing people. And so as as a result, combined with the fact that merchants are largely non-emergent, non-scribe, there's a lot of political intrigue, juice, factions, underground groups and stuff in that demographic of people. Because for, for reference, Hesh is not small city sized. Hesh is huge. It's the remainder of civilization that has escaped. It is sprawling, expansive. Seven-figure population. Yeah. It's absolutely massive. Thanks for that question, John. I think we've done it for today. Well, we need your help, y'all. You make us sound so cool with all these great questions. Keep them coming, by the way. But we're going to continue to beg for public legitimacy by asking if you're listening, just go follow World Investor on just one social media platform of your choice. Our social follows are an infinitesimal percentage of our listenership. And we want to make all this cool stuff. And honestly, part of like getting deals done with potential partners, they just want to see how many people you have on your socials. So help us hack the system by making little numbers go up. It would mean the world to us. And keep those questions coming. We're loving them. Thanks, everyone. Join us next week for more Building Besser. See you next time. Take care. Pafua Amedaju Arasu. I love that it's not just me now. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.